When we talk about business success, we usually think about the founder, the person who set up and grew the business in its early years. But in many cases, a successful, stable business, especially a family business, is passed on to the next generation, who then take it forward into the future. So how does the new generation make their mark? And what are the challenges in making a transformation towards a new way of doing business? Today, we talk with Ridula Sridhar, CEO of Kiddo Enterprises, an early childhood education firm. And unlike the fabulously well-funded edtechs of the world, they run a sustainable, profitable business that's been making a profit and been around for nearly 20 years before passing on to the next generation. And we learned from her what it takes to take a mature business forward and find the levers for growth and taking it to the next level of skill. But before we begin, a couple of quick reminders. If you like this episode, please do rate it five stars and do follow Shop Talk on Spotify or Apple or wherever else you're listening to this show so you don't miss out on any of the great guests that we have lined up. Also, if you need a recap of the episode, feel free to head over to crazytalk.online to read the full transcript. So with that said, Nithula, welcome to Shop Talk. It's a real pleasure to have you with us today. Maybe before we jump into the meat of the conversation, perhaps you could give us a short intro to yourself and to your business, uh, Kiddo Enterprises. Sure. Thanks for having me here, Amit. So I am an engineer, instrumentation engineer. I worked in Wipro for a couple of years before I moved on to do my MBA at IIM Calcutta. And straight out of campus, when I came back, my specialization was sales and marketing. And that was the thought that I would build a career in a corporate, in one of the FMCGs. And that was where my campus placement was as well. But I came back to Bangalore, where my mother had started a business in 1992. And I passed out in 2000. So this was an eight-year-old business, but she was running it as a small hobby workshop at home. It was in our house garage. And then we moved to our house terrace. So it was a typical case of a home-based unit becoming slightly bigger organically and that's where my mother's ambition lay at that time saying let's just make it slightly bigger and then along I came and said okay why don't I join in as well and she was also at that point saying I'm the only child said okay give it a shot if you think this is what you want to do so in many ways it was just an accidental decision it was not very pre-planned saying this is where I want to be I had seen a lot of her business in my growing years in college. I was her delivery person, courier person. I was her backup when customers would come to, you know, explain things. So I had some sense of what the business does. But it's really when I got in that I got to understand more. Yeah, I joined her in 2000. And of course, the first thing I did was move her out from home to our first factory space outside, which happened after I joined. We shifted out in June, just looking for that factory space, getting it started. Everything was very different world for me. We moved out and in September, unfortunately for us, just after two months after we'd taken the place, the whole factory burnt down with everything that she had built up over eight years. I managed to bring it to scrap with some accidental hay and packing material catching fire with paint. So when I joined, literally in 2000, it was like starting the business from scratch. We stopped everything we were doing for two months. And it's in Jan of 2001 that really this business began in full earnest with me and mom on board and with the fully set up factory outside that we went back to after renovating and after our owner was kind enough to put it on track. So 
that's pretty much how I stepped into this world with a big fire. Wow, that is some way to start. I know people want like fire, you know, in their belly and stuff, but this is taking it a bit too literally. So that is well one way to start, I guess. And I know you ran that business for a while, or you partnered with your mom running the business for a while. And before you actually made a major pivot, which I think we will get to. But how was it in the first few years when you were running it as the original business? Sure. When I started, the big advantage of being in the starting stages of any business, where which it was for me, is that expectations are not very high. Both uh, the expectations that you set for yourself as well as what others have from you, you're still just getting a foothold and just understanding what to do. When my mother started off, it was a very interesting story as well, where she didn't know what to do. She just wanted to start a business. She had a lot of school friends who were teachers. and then they told her instead of just starting something which is in tailoring of food which is what most women entrepreneurs those days were doing uh, why don't you you know look at something that will help us in the schools to get things going so she started with just making puzzles and again the expectations from her were very small she was making something nice she was taking it to the schools the schools liked it uh, profitability was very high from day one your overheads are so low so uh, run starting a small business has a lot of advantages in that sense of matching the expectations and growing at the pace that you would like to grow it it doesn't mean you have everything covered from day one so while i started i was super confident this is you know whatever we do will work well there's nothing much to go wrong but of course every business has its own stories its own ups and downs and there are a lot of things which are not in your control other than what you are doing so there are circumstances there are market situations and so on but I think the starting stages is the best time to be in a business because there's not that much that can really still go wrong as compared to when you go further down the line. This is actually an important point. It's worth uh, repeating in a way, which is when you do your own thing, you know, not having raised funding, etc. You are your own person. You can grow at the rate at which you want. You can experiment, try out all kinds of things. and like you said i mean overheads are low uh, nobody is forcing you to build out a massive team before you even start doing anything in a way it's i mean in the startup world this is what a lean startup would be you just make something take it to market and see if it works or not and that's exactly how essentially you got started right so that's how the original business got started and then how did that grow because obviously you had to grow beyond your mom's friend circle and things like that So uh, for the first of course five seven years uh, we were purely in the manufacturing space the idea was to find newer markets so when i joined and she was catering largely to the indian market by 2003 4 we had started exporting to us to europe we found dealers there we started growing the manufacturing space i got married in 2000 and in 2004 i had my first child and that's the time i made uh, my husband take a sabbatical from work and said please come and help me out for one year because it's growing well and I don't want to let go at this point. So he stepped in on a sabbatical. Incidentally, he stayed back after the sabbatical as well. So we just found there was more and more to do, and we were growing well, both from a manufacturing expansion standpoint as well as from a marketing standpoint. And we started growing the Montessori market, which was really booming between 2000 and 2010. All the preschool chains started in India around the same time. The Kirokids, the Kidsies, and so many others. So we were suppliers for a lot of the preschool chains. We were suppliers for UNICEF on tender contracts wherever there were child relief kits being sent. We were full on growing manufacturing and the marketing and the markets. But around 2008-9 is when we started slowly seeing that the market for products was becoming very very 
flat in a sense everybody wanted activity based learning but nobody really knew how to use it and then we were dependent on the market to say okay if we use activity based learning then we'll come in we were not really creating a problem. so that's when we really i jumped into early education research at that time that was like my first born so it was doing a lot of research and homework and grounding because we had no idea about the education aspect we only knew about the materials so we did a lot of work on that space i spent a lot of time with schools with teachers on the field between 2008 to uh, 2011 uh, by which time i had two children and i was fairly aware of what i wanted to do uh, in terms of curriculum at some vague notion of fit of how it has to be implemented and in 2012 we launched credo which was a preschool solution designed on a non franchise model so at that time all the solutions were working on a royalty based franchise based model where you have to start the school in a euro kids name or a kidzy name with the brand of the parent company so we decided at that time and this is something that i felt very strongly about that education is something that's very very owner dependent especially something like a preschool no matter what the brand or the franchise you're using ultimately it's the person who's running the show it's their school and hence education is not really a commodity it's not something that can be franchised out as easily and that worked very well for credo so credo was india's only non franchise solution at that point now there are a few but we're still the largest non franchise based solution and uh, we started the good part was because it was non franchise we started helping women entrepreneurs to set up small businesses so what we were in a sense doing was every year spawning off 300 new preschools which means 300 new entrepreneurs were born with credo and that was a very very exciting time and it was how we started credo competing with the franchise brands but offering a very very different proposition from them so yeah we did a lot of trade fairs we did a lot of exhibitions we would be competing with big money at that time but again being a small business and in the starting stages meant that we could grow very very fast so we were growing at the rate of 300 schools a year and within 3 years we had the same numbers as any of the big franchise chains so let's just focus on that a little bit you were competing with very well known names and i'm sure people who set up schools want to go with those well known names because then parents will want to go to those schools because they recognize that right how is it that you were able to actually convince people to partner with you instead I think uh, entrepreneurship is a wonderful thing. There were while there were a lot of people who wanted to start businesses under somebody else's brand name. There are a huge number of wannabe entrepreneurs in this country who are very very dynamic and very uh, self motivated and want to run their own brand. Uh, we didn't even realize that when we started. It was again by chance that we sort of stumbled upon it, saying, "Okay, there's such a big need in the market for this." and it worked very well there were so many people who said why should i spend money give somebody else money and build their brand in the process when i can spend half that money and build my own brand even if i get half the number of children and my profitability is much higher because i'm not shelling out anything to somebody else there was a huge set of entrepreneurs and people who really were focused on education and not just running a business and saying i'll run a good school i know business will grow automatically and we found uh, instant acceptance it was like almost from day one we realized oh this is the right thing to do and in fact also because it's an owned model right you're essentially selling the package to the school they aren't on the hook for paying you anything anyway so neither are they building anybody's brand 
and nor are they giving away any extra money in this whole process effectively what you ended up creating is you made a system right for a person who wants to set up a school they can adopt your system but without all the paraphernalia of adopting uh, you know global branded thing okay that's a really good insight and also a very good differentiator obviously and that's how you've grown that far so obviously this is credo has taken off it's a roaring success it's you know at par with many of these large brands in india is it all smooth sailing from there on or are there you know challenges or issues that you have to face along the way absolutely i think running a business is never smooth sailing i think the easiest part was getting started it was very very exciting and very new and every new sign up that we had was a huge victory for us but as you grow it's where the challenges start i think it's one year after you start your business is really the most critical phase i would say between the second and the third year of your business are the most critical for any business that you're running the first year gets spent in just establishing your footing your foot in the market getting hold of the right people just pushing along but in the second year the expectations begin okay so you've done this in the first year now what are you going to do next and the people who have signed up with you the previous year you have feedback from them who have customer feedback so the biggest challenge was in those next 3 years we had started absolutely blind sighted we said activity based learning is what every child needs and here are a bunch of entrepreneurs that don't know how to set up a school so we'll give them the package we'll empower them we'll train them and we'll let go and the training also was quite short as in a few days and then they would just stay in touch and call us and ask for doubts that's how basic the model was it was very simple but within 10 months the kind of requirements that started coming will you do my design services will you create my website will you train train my teachers will you interview my teachers at higher for me all kinds of things and then we said we didn't say no to anything one by one we started adding things along and by 2014 within a year and a half it was a very very different value prop that we were offering to the customers they were not just going to give you the materials and give you videos on how to use them that's not the only thing we'll do we will help you become a successful entrepreneur so for us it was about listening to every customer their requirement what they need and then slowly also beginning to listen to the stakeholders so the parents were an important stakeholder all this time we were only listening to the school owners then the teachers come back and said the owner is saying this but i can't do this so we have to listen to the teachers the parents said i want books we didn't have books as part of our curriculum so we launched them in 2014 say yeah of course you need to have books we can't expect them to buy books from the market so one by one adding in services in the growth stage that was really challenging every month there would be three new requirements that's coming from the market so you have to prioritize and figure which one you can fit in what can you give increase the price marginally because now you have to add in a lot more and then keeping the customer happy so i think that was one of the most challenging phases of business for any businesses between the second and the fourth year is i think really challenging so essentially first year is honeymoon you got a few customers you're happy with what's happening but second year onwards all these customers start increasing their demands and stuff so how did you actually create the bandwidth because this sounds like it's all very different things right you to launch books is not the same thing as making the puzzles so you need a different skill set a different kind of person so how did you expand the team how did you hire people to what was back then still a relatively unknown brand absolutely i think that is the biggest challenge for any entrepreneur is people 
so starting as you absolutely rightly said is all sweet and it's moving along but the minute you want to scale there are two things that i think in hindsight i would say strikes me as uh, when we're looking for people you're looking for people who share your vision who also want to do the same thing but they have to have a completely different skill from what you have so you can't hire people who do the same thing that you do and that's one of the biggest mistakes initially we made we said okay if i can do it let somebody else who can do what i can do also come on board but that's not what we needed like building a website or creating a logo for a school which is something that we took on i have no idea about design or design software so the design team comes on board which you every entrepreneur has to still learn a little bit of everything that happens within the business so while i may not be the best design specialist i still had to understand what it takes for the designer to create those logos how much collateral do we have to create how do we support the customers so while you're also listening to the market you also need to have some amount of understanding of what each of your areas within your team is doing this is i think just building that core team initially who can come along with you on the ride and then have the same vision of scaling up i think that's once that is set which is which takes between the second and the fourth year largely if that is set then it's it's all breeze after that in many ways of course there are different challenges but that's the most critical problem and then doing it as a small business where money is a challenge still so you may not be able to pay the best as much as your competitors would or uh, you may not you know have the same kind of uh, just the withholding power that others have you still need to find and you will find if you wait long enough you will still find in some ways people who you know are very driven to do things and i think it's good to get more and more of entrepreneurial mindset within your team i think that makes a big difference instead of just having people who just do what you are asking them to do right so it sounds like it's a mix of skill and uh, this entrepreneurial mindset or drive and that's what you're looking for and what you're saying is if you can get your let's say seed team or early team to be like that then they will you know figure things out and the business will grow that way on a related note how did you actually get the hundreds of schools i mean how did you get started because again people don't really know you did you first build out a sales team or what was the pitch that you made to them i think that was for us money and me my husband who's my co-founder for us the first time we launched credo we were doing the sales and you just had to land up that even we didn't know how to sell so unless you know how to do it how are you going to hire a team that is going to be able to sell for you so a lot of this when you're running your enterprise and you're doing it for the first time you really need to figure it from ground upwards and you have to know how to do it else you, you don't even know what kind of team you're expecting to have if you don't know how to do it so just going to these exhibitions where uh, they used to have these franchise expos and all the big names would be there whether it was mcdonalds or eurokids or kidzy all of them would put stalls so we did a lot of those trade fairs initially and we were the only ones offering a non franchise solution in a franchise fair so that was kind of novelty value people would stop by our stall we always had the maximum crowd whether we had conversions or no we used to have the highest amount of people in our stall it came to a point where our competitors were ribbing us saying i'm not going to put a stall across you because all my people just come over and they sit in your stall and nobody's coming to my stall so it was quite exciting but just getting that in to understand what the customer needs and you have like 200 customers walking in within one day and you have to manage to talk to each and every one of them and they all potentials so yeah we did a lot of the ground work and i think you have to put in that hard work in the first couple of years 
whether it was lifting heavy shelves, setting up the exhibition stall. We didn't have a team to do all of that. Everything had to be done on our own. We did a lot of the groundwork when we first started. Our first salesperson who's still with us, he had sales today, joined us in 2013. In fact, it was very funny. We interviewed him in Bangalore. He was an engineer working for a much higher salary and he came and somehow he just liked what we said. He said, ah, I'll join and he said, tomorrow we're headed off to Chennai for an exhibition. Would you like to come? So he actually reported in Chennai while we were in Bangalore and said, okay, let me see what this is about. It was a Saturday, Sunday. He came there. He stood for two days with us in the stall, learned everything. When he came back, he was fully trained. He just took on sales from there. So it's literally like every team member who has joined us has had a very interesting story in terms of how they joined in. And they learned with us. They, they're all a team now, I think, that's not scared of hard work, that has done everything ground upwards. So understands the integrity of the business very well. It allowed money and me to take a step back very quickly because the team got trained along with us. We all grew together. So that was pretty good for us. I think while you were speaking, I suddenly realized, and it was a realization for me, that this, you know, the trade fair thing, what it allowed you to do is get a concentrated dose of customer feedback at one shot, like 200 conversations in a day, like it would have taken a year with a website. So that is incredible. So I think one takeaway also would be that if you're a small business that happens to operate in a space where such event-based marketing can be done, it's actually worth it because you get so much on the ground feedback. So speaking of continuing on the challenges path, you're in a business which is, well, basically schools. And over the last two or two, two and a half years, two years, uh, schools have been essentially shut or in trouble for a while. And especially early childhood, where I think it's hard to teach on laptops. How did you get through that or how did your schools get through that? Absolutely. I think it's been the worst time ever for early education. One of the things that we had seen in the last 25-30 years of being in business is that food and education have always been very recession-proof. And we've never ever, even in the toughest recession, we've never faced challenges in terms of growing the business. That's never been a challenge. This is the first time that things just completely came to a halt. And for us, it was on both aspects. With Credo, we had all these small enterprises running schools. They're all very, very small setups. And obviously, they don't have withholding capacity like the bigger names do. And almost 50% of not just our schools, of the entire preschool industry has been wiped out in India. Other than the preschools over the last three years, we've been working a lot with the low-budget schools, with the schools that charge low fees. So these are well schools that charge less than 20,000 rupees fees a year. These are again one of the worst hit sections today because that's the first thing the parent will pull out of a school if because they don't have money, they don't have jobs and that's the first thing that's going to shut down, especially in the early years. Both our segments have been wiped out literally. Yeah, it was I think our biggest challenge. It's the first time that we had to really We've never in 25 years had issues in terms of cash flow, we've grown organically. But yeah, it took a major cash flow and liquidity hit. The team had been very, very cooperative. They had to take a lot of hit in the last one year. But they had the vision, they waited patiently. Uh, we're keeping our fingers crossed now for when the schools do begin. This year will be a windfall for the schools because 50% of the market has lost its schools. The remaining 50% should see a very, very healthy rate of admission. And uh, all of us are waiting patiently, but yeah, it, it tested us in ways that we couldn't imagine. 
for the first time we had to take learning home we've never been focused on home based learning so we had to pivot in till june when into 2020 we waited from march to june saying it's okay it'll pass school will start suddenly in june we realized this is just not going away this is seems never ending and immediately within a one and a half months with all of us working from home we had to create activity based learning kits that go to the child's house now it's to come to school so that was fun it was the most i think fast paced thing that we've ever done in the last few years every day get on call design this get the explain to the designer over a call what you want done how you want the game design and finally when the lockdown lifted getting it prototyped in the factory factory had started but we were still allowed to come to office so by august we had launched our activity based learning kits and the schools had gone down to zero admissions the one that were running we had 25000 children on the credo platform in 2018-19 it came down to 200 children literally wiped out then in august september when the activity based kits were launched the schools adapted them and started sending along with the books to the house and about 4 to 5000 children came back on board which is still only 20% or less of what we were doing but at least it was something and uh, yeah we survived somehow with the uh, support from some grants and a little bit of equity with people who had seen our work in 20 years and they were very unconditional saying they are doing great work so you know we'll, we'll make sure you survive this it was literally like just give us money otherwise we're going to collapse so that was the first time really we, we saw such a major crisis wow that sounds pretty bad going from 25000 down to 200 is insane and the fact that you're still smiling through this conversation uh, is impressive i think maybe that's a good segue to my next question which is what keeps you motivated through i mean especially now and through the last couple of years but also in general like how do you keep going because it's been a while obviously running this i think during the covid time of course it was a matter of we were doing extremely well in 2018-19 and it was like a beginning of a big future so just waiting to ride out the storm uh, also waiting because even the entire team has spent so much of their life and their energies with us we were all i mean we're all in it together and just knowing that the decisions that you make will impact not just yourself but 300 other people in the organization i think that's something that's very very heavy and we can't take that lightly so whatever happens i think we just somehow found the strength to say if we can just ride it out for a year i'm sure we'll bounce back and the team will you know they were very supportive and at the same time everybody's going through their own fears their personal struggles at home so it was a very very challenging time from that perspective but i think just keeping together kind of kept us motivated that all of us are there together it's not that people are just quitting and they they believe in this as much as we did i think that's true for even in general case i think most entrepreneurs become entrepreneurs because they are very very uh, risk prone they like taking risks most of us are quite adventurous i don't think you last as an entrepreneur if you don't have that in your blood every entrepreneur i've seen has taken a hit or has taken that plunge understanding the risk that they are taking and um, there are more failures than the successes in any entrepreneur's life it's always true it's how you view the successes that really keep you motivated yeah every new customer that you gain every sign up that happens every five star google review that you get it's enough to make your week and say okay fine it's worth it i'm not quitting this because this is really worth it and those small successes when they're celebrated with the team 
it really charges you up so i mean yesterday we had when after all these years there were what six or seven customers who came online and gave reviews and each team member sharing look my customer gave this that's such a pride and joy and that's enough to keep the motivation going so you know you're going to lose three customers in the next three days you're going to be like oh no i mean why am i even doing this but those you know the next first customer that comes along will just make your day so i think uh, both the team and the impact that you're creating i think those are the two things that keep entrepreneurs going yeah i think uh, very valid point nadula about the small successes like you said google reviews or whatever probably make a person feel very good in our case for my podcast if somebody leaves a good review i feel like okay next 10 episodes worth of motivation has actually happened I'm absolutely right about that so now you're here i think maybe you've seen off the worst of it and you've shown that the business actually is quite resilient and you have a lot of support from people who have also helped you through this whole process so what's the future looking like what are next steps for you guys Yeah I think we're done with our organic stage of growing we are looking forward to extremely in organic growth because we now have the experience we have the team we have the people we have the processes set to scale so we are looking at impacting at least a million children annually in the next 3 years uh, and we shifted our focus in the last 3 years as i mentioned to low income schools that's one area that absolutely fascinated us while we started credo as a preschool solution and we have always targeted mid market we've never been in the high income segment that's where we always saw the gaps we have preschools in badrinath in haridwar in every small city in india we always been fascinated with that low income space we never realized what a massive space that was so there are three and a half lakh affordable private schools in india 350000 we, we didn't even know there was such a big number and 70% of urban india actually goes to affordable private schools they don't go to government schools every parent wants a better future for their child and every parent is then is going to try and put their child into a private school so for in the next 3 years we are looking at completely democratizing quality early education we want to make sure it's affordable and accessible to every child we strongly believe that school is the best place to learn so our idea is to empower the schools not to go out and offer learning ourselves directly but look at via tutors via teachers via schools even if it's pandemic time um, the learning has to the child has been via the school we feel uh, the teachers are an important component in the learning process so skilling them keeping them motivated all of that is part of our job not just supplying a curriculum we are the backbone for the school we are their academic partners so whether it's convincing parents what's best for the child or whether it's training the teachers whether it's giving the books to the child all of that comes back to us and uh, we're really happy to partner with affordable private schools who are themselves small enterprises each of them school is a small running enterprise and we are empowering them to become powerful and uh, better learning delivering better learning that's really the dream to make sure every school we partner with uh, delivers better learning yeah then that's a very noble dream because I mean obviously your business does well then but you're empowering so many businesses and they are empowering children who will then grow up and I mean I suppose become valuable members of society. I mean you're in a great space and I think what you're doing in terms of democratizing this let's say is fabulous. So more power to you Mrithula. I think good stuff. Okay so I think we are coming to the close of this conversation. So maybe my last question is Looking back at your journey with Credo Enterprises and Credo has been what 20 years little more than 20 years now what do you think you might have done differently 
or what advice would you give to other aspiring entrepreneurs either in the school sort of space or just in general maybe we'll just start with the general in terms of a few learnings that i've had and also with uh, seeing a lot of young entrepreneurs these days both in the tech space and in other spaces as well i think one of the biggest challenges today is what that we didn't have earlier when we started there were not so many entrepreneurs around the kind of ideas that you had we had a lot more time to sort of put them in place uh, but i think today the younger generation has a lot more ideas they are a lot more exposed to a lot of things so ideas are plenty i think one of the biggest challenges is to find the right what is a product market fit in some ways you have a good product but if that doesn't fit the market or if the market is not big enough to accommodate your solution that's where a lot of the enterprises tend to drop off after a short period of time a lot of the enterprises start with personal struggles for example in a, a lot of our school owners they start schools because they didn't find the right school for their child which is a great personal struggle and they've identified a problem or a gap area that they're trying to solve but you need scale right unless you have that many children in that area or you don't pick the right area or you don't pick the right market school's not going to be successful so i think when you create a product seeing that is not just solving your problem but there are enough people who have that problem i think that's very very important look at scale and look at the product market fit i think that's where we found our early success because we didn't realize that the market was so big we created it but then we realized mid market has a problem if we had tried to sell the same same solution at a higher price in the higher income schools i think we would have failed miserably because this problem doesn't exist of learning in the higher income space so it depends on which market you're looking at that's one of the first things that i would love to share with entrepreneurs find the right market and see where it fits and keep evolving and adapting till your solution changes to fit that market because otherwise not going to happen um the other thing is build your team early don't be scared to let go if you feel somebody is a misfit this one of the biggest fears as an entrepreneur we have we get somebody good on board but we know they're not going to be able to do the job that we have in our mind we know they're struggling but we just don't want to let go because there's something happening let it get taken care of don't be scared to let go there are plenty of people you will find who will come along with you on your journey will be even better fit for you so make your mistakes early let go early don't don't cling on i think i've done a lot of that I've, I've clung on for a long time to say okay this is just not working i need to i need to move out of this so uh, fail fast which is something people tell em all of entrepreneurs these days and i think um, one of the things that you should look at is set an example be fair whatever you do remember everything that you do is setting the culture of your organization consciously or unconsciously whichever way it may be even just moving for us from a manufacturing business to a service oriented business has been a world of change of thinking differently everything that you do is now looked at differently so be fair about it and whatever you are expecting from your team uh, just make sure that you are setting an example of it else it's not going to work it. it's not going to be instructional it's just not going to work in this day and age and i think finally it would be don't stagnate the minute you find your reaching success okay what's the next thing what more can i add think ahead of the market i think that's something we've constantly done at credo saying okay products are going next books now books are is going next app now app is going what's the next thing that's going to happen so you need to keep anticipating the market i think as a, once you reach a certain stage stay ahead of the game 
to be in education and specific i would one um, advice for me definitely to all entrepreneurs is choose b2b or b2c when you start i see a lot of solutions that come up and say i want to do both it is a world of difference to implement a b2b versus a b2c solution choose as per your strengths if you are a b2c founder who is more comfortable being in the public building a public brand reaching a larger customer base the business model is completely different versus b2b you are cultivating a smaller set of customers you have to go deep with them two completely different options so advice for education and specific choose b2 school or b2c uh, try not to mix the two it, it will save you a lot of heartburn because then you will not fit in either space and you will keep struggling between, between the two yeah and i would uh, definitely recommend a lot more entrepreneurs to look at lower income market segments everybody is targeting the top 10% of the world the bottom 90% needed to the bottom 70% need solutions very very badly and that's a massive market size there is money there there is profitability there so definite advice to education entrepreneurs do consider doing things in the lower income space as well i think it will be worth your while wow actually that's a lot of very good advice amritula and in fact your b2b b2c thing i think also could be generalized as be focused don't try to be all things to all people or be confused because i think your point about you know you you won't be anything to anyone in that process neither good for the school nor good for the individual and then you'll just be left behind uh, so thanks a lot i think this has been fantastic i'm sure everybody listening to this episode has taken away a lot i definitely have i was taking notes <laughs> while you were speaking really appreciate you you being here and taking the time and for everyone listening thank you so much for tuning in you'll find the show notes at crazytalk.online especially if you want to get uh, some of these learnings and kind of review them for yourself and we'll also put a link to credo so that you can find out more about what amritula has been up to for the last what 8 10 20 years so we'll put a link up there as well and do remember to follow and subscribe and if you like this episode which i'm 100% sure you did please show your appreciation with a five star rating we were amritula and amit with shop talk See you next time. Thank you. Thank you, Amit. And all the best to Shop Talk.